Okay, hello boys and girls, here we are, Eglinton Station this time, and uh, I'm starting a podcast to you now, but I've only got a few minutes, so I know I'll have to keep it short, Uh, waiting for the arrival of Barnacle Bill, coming in from uh, Mississauga, left his brothers in London, staying with cousins and friends, uh, out west, ooh, there goes a via rail, zip and bye, whoa, um, but I, I seldom, I mean, I don't podcast from Eglinton Go anymore. I mean, I used to when, remember, back in the old days when I'd come home half drunk or three quarters drunk. Uh, but uh, not that way today. It's about noon. It is Sunday. It's the only day we could uh, arrange to meet. Sunday, I don't know, the 9th, 10th, I guess. Oh, my God, my son's birthday coming up. Uh, he will be 30. Better do something. Uh, anyway, I just thought I'd get this thing started before I've, I've I've been I've had so many we've put so much planning into this. It's so simple. Like he won't come to my house because my son's not vaccinated, and that's fair game. So I said, well, great, we got the road trek. We'll just make a day of it and road trek. We'll go down to Bluffers Park and spend the day there. And I got beer and. Uh, you know, tokes and everything else could have a whole day. But then, of course, it made me a little nervous. Well, I don't want to drive with beer. Well, if I have a beer early, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking everything over. You know, okay. Well, like maybe all right. I can have one beer. That's all right. Let him have what he wants. And I have a toke. I haven't been high for quite a while, and sometimes I get paranoid. And oh, it could be fun. Yeah, I'd like to. It'd be kind of. What happened to the old days when I didn't think like I didn't have to worry about stuff? How come I got so uptight and domesticated, you know? Hey, man, have a toke, it's not going to kill you. You know, you know you're going to drive safe and, you know, have it early and then chill for a few hours, you know? There's no rush here. But all this is going through my mind. The biggest concern is, okay, well, I promised him, you know, we'll get something to eat. Okay, there's a drive through too much. Well... How big is this vehicle? I, in my mind, it is so much bigger than the 20-feet beast that it is, 20-foot beast. And I'm like, well, what about going through the the drive-thru? Those turns are really tight, and you got to get close. There's so many things to scrape on. Sometimes there are two lanes, other vehicles. Oh, my God, you know. What if I get into that lane and can't make the turn? It's just too tight. Oh, fuck. And... I don't know how many times I've replayed that scenario. Like, it's just not necessary. But that's where I'm at, really. Kind of. Not tied in a knot, but far more anxious than I really need to be. And these are times when I think, man, maybe you just need some some happy pills that just eh, just kind of level you out, you know? And I don't really want to have enough medication now for very real things. This is just me. It's my personality. I'm always, you know, I'm never late. I'm always extra early for anything, you know. He's not arriving till noon or after. Well, 1130, I'd set, you know, all right, as soon as it turns 1130, got to get the cat off my lap, go have a pee, unplug the road track, and, of course, here I am, you know, 20 minutes early. Um, but that's just my nature. That's not something to fight. But anyway, all this... Anxiety. So I thought I'd share a little bit of that with the real me now. And then uh, I won't podcast at all while I'm with him because this is not his, it's not something he's comfortable about. Doesn't listen, doesn't want to listen to Dixon Jane's, that's for sure. And uh, we'll just sort of leave that. That wouldn't be right, you know. And then uh, I'll get back to you afterwards and tell you how it all was. So this is just a very short introduction from. The Eglinton Go Station, uh, just uh, sort of preparing for what should be a fun day. Barnacle Bill, a.k.a. Bruce, is a person I've driven across the country with a few times, camped with many, many times, sitting around a campfire, drinking, smoking, talking about women. Um, Very, very different in nature. He went to McGill Science. I went to Sir George Arts. Um, 
very, very different natures. We fight often, and there's whole topics that just, you know, are not ever on the agenda. No, that'll just lead to another battle. And we, we, we've had those. We've had those online. And yet, we're friends, and we support each other. And, and uh, we exchange emails at least once a day, often more than that. All the time, it's just somebody to, to check in with, you know? And uh, that's a good thing, and that's the right thing to do. you got to have friends, and you got to look after your friends. So I'm going to leave it there. That's a, just a bit of an, an intro. We'll see how today goes. And um, basically, there's only one plan, and the plan is to have a good time. You know, probably relive some old memories. I got the rock out because, I mean, he's the other rock keeper. He's one of the founders, uh, for sure. He needs to see the rock on this little uh, trip. I mean, he could even ask to take it back to Vancouver, but I hope he doesn't. Uh, We've had battles over the rock. Yeah, believe me. You know, the first time it was mailed. No, you can't mail the rock. It has to be hand-to-hand. That's a battle that just, boy, went on for years. But it came down to, I think it had to get out of Australia. <laughs> not everybody, you know, how many friends do you have? And you're not going to just pass it off to an airline attendant and say, you know, I know somebody who knows somebody who's a stewardess and she can go to Vancouver. And if you can get somebody to uh, meet somebody else and think, you know, hey, no, whoa, 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 whoa. So, yeah, those were proper allowances for the uh, the sharing of the rock. That, that's sort of a commonality. And of course, he was the one who really did all the work for when I first stood, uh, put out the uh, Dixon Jane zine. He would collect the funds. We were asking $5 a year or something and and deliver them. And he, he printed them. I would send them from Japan and he would type them up. I believe that's how it first went on a dot matrix printer. And uh, they were stored, I've mentioned this before, at one point they were stored on tape in Ann Arbor, Michigan, for the company he worked with, one of their backup sites. So it, it, it exists, it existed in cyberspace, wow, right in the early days. Uh, although, do you call that cyberspace tape backup? I don't know. Uh, anyway, he was a big part of the early history of Dixon Jane's, again, one of the founders there, and uh, who did an awful lot to keep it going. And uh, so, yeah, there's a real history. Going back to when he, when we didn't hang out in high school, he was in 11A, I was in 11F. He was a year ahead of me. Um, but we had mutual friends. Glenn, who I mentioned, has, uh, you know, seeing his final days on Earth is thanks to cancer. <sighs> A very close friend of both of us, and uh, and so through the connections there, and uh, Richard, another one who's passed away, and you know, I, I we connected just the end of university, really, and uh, then he headed off to Vancouver in his little uh, red Toyota, and uh, I followed later on, and other friends were already settled out there, Glenn and Debbie, and. Uh, the gang, so our really our history really cemented in in Vancouver. Started off in Lachine. I remember going to his front yard, watching him to his house, his parents' house, watching him pack up the Toyota for that trip. And uh, we made many many trips, including, of course, the infamous Yukon summer. Bruce is the one I climbed the Chilkoot with. The two of us hatched that plan in a bar in Vancouver. So let's climb the Chilkoot. And uh, sure enough, we did. Four-day hike over the mountains in the snow. Wow. Uh, That was quite something, quite an adventure. So uh, there you go. I guess that's a little bit of it. All the wild parties in Vancouver in the 70s, that was part of it. And and then um, eventually, you know, and, and the letters. Of course, the letters. Most of the letters in the two books. If you've read those books, if you've uh, bought the books, most of those letters were to uh, to Bruce. So, my God, I just, the more I talk, the more connections there are. I'm glad I did this. This was a real introduction. And uh, and him saving all my letters. That's it, you know. He, 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 we gave him a, an old Pepsi bottle we found once on a camping trip. It's called the Six Hat Summit. We went to the Sunshine Coast, uh, six of us, and uh, dug up an old Pepsi bottle and awarded it to Bruce as a, as a Mr. Reliable trophy. 
Mr. Reliable, because he's always been a re- very reliable friend. And that that's a quality. That's a very special quality. And uh, not everybody gets that one, I'll tell you. I don't even know if, I'd, if I'm a reliable friend. <laughs> I so often like the easy way. All right. I got a little bit of coffee. I'm going to finish off. I'm going to switch over to the CD and uh, maybe end cranking that up. That's a that's the CD I chose for the beginning of our drive. First stop is the LCBO. You've heard this many times on the Dixon Chains podcast. Ah, oh, shit. All right, anyway, good enough. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye-bye. That's the little bell here in the Toyota in uh, Thompson Park. I'm parked not facing the park that I usually do, but uh, the opposite way, facing uh, whatever the road is. Not McCowan, not Midland, Brimley. Uh, Just so that I could get the sun shining in the driver's window here, and it is now, and it's, uh, it's quite lovely. A uh, cold day, but uh, sunshine January 10th, for those keeping track, 2022. And I'm out uh, on my way to do some grocery shopping. Don't have any plans for a separate night. Uh, but uh, it's nice when my wife comes home tired from a uh, long day of work. And she's bringing some food over to a Japanese friend. Uh, she made oden last night, and that's... Uh, Oh, I explained it to uh, Barnacle Bill in a uh, an email. A whole lot of special foods you'd never have at any other time in a very nice broth. And I love it. It's just so good. She she gave me some last night. I needed to try this, you know, 10 o'clock at night after, uh, after we watched a movie. The, what was that, Unknown? Unknown, I guess, with uh, Liam Neeson. It's quite good. A thriller. Action thriller, I guess. Uh, anyway, it's so tasty, and she's left me some for my lunch. Uh, just things in it that you wouldn't normally find, and I, there's not even any point in giving you the Japanese names if you know what oden is. It's a treat. It's, it's served in the winter time in Japan, and you can even go into like a Seven Eleven store, and you can you can sort of get a dish of it, you know, with different things. One of the, the favorite parts, of course, is the uh, the boiled egg that absorbs a lot of the flavors and bits of things made possibly from fish batter, chewy things, things with texture, I and daikon. And, of course, daikon's very flavorful. I can't describe all the things, but anyway, if you want to look it up, O-D-E-N, Japanese food and... Uh, You'll find it, but uh, of course, better is the uh, in the tasting of it. Yeah, got home last night. Left uh, about noon, or actually eleven thirty, to uh, go and pick up Bruce at the Eglinton Gold Station, and then dropped him off at the same Eglinton Gold Station about eight fifteen that night. So we had that full eight hours plus uh, together in the road trek, uh, as planned. At Bluffers Park, uh, and it was a it was a good day. It was a good day all around. I guess that's what I'm going to talk about because I know in my previous podcast I mentioned this was coming up. That's how I was going to spend my Sunday. Uh, he wouldn't stay at our house um, as mentioned because my son has not been uh, vaccinated against COVID and uh, is not going to be. I may get onto that later. Uh. And anyway, this worked out. It was like camping. I mean, it was a cold day, and he, he left Montreal to get rid of the cold. He just hates the cold. That's why he lives in Vancouver. Uh, and he was feeling it. I was thinking, oh, this is not bad at all. I had thick socks on and a good coat. I was well-dressed for it. But I think his circulation system is different, and uh, I had to put the heater on a couple of times. And uh, for his sake, I probably should have just left the damn thing on the whole time. Because uh, when the, for the time when we were parked and some little snow flurries came as it was getting dark, uh, he was really feeling it. So, uh, yeah, basically we went, we went, we, we parked the van, we went for a little walk, we sat on a bench and we each had a toke. 
of our own stuff. And we reminisced. We sat for a very long time on that bench, listening to the waves lapping up on the shores of Lake Ontario here at uh, uh, Bluffers Park. And talked about Glenn, the fellow who is, we don't think, has that much longer left to live because of the cancer that's just not going to go away. Um, and the other friends we've lost, uh, Kent and Richard and John and Peter, friends who were, who were very much part of our tribe. <clears throat> After the talk, of course, we're a little high. I'm we're sharing old stories, stories to make us laugh and uh, remember the good times or the bad times, and um, how much more mature we are now, and when think of doing the things we did when we were in our twenties and thirties. Um, a lot of it driven by alcohol and dope, and uh, for people who don't indulge in those things, uh, well. You know, you you wouldn't wouldn't have been our friends. You wouldn't have wanted to hang out with us. But as it was, we found a crew. We we really did form a tribe. We took the Lachine tribe and merged it with a, a Vancouver tribe, and had a very very good circle of dear friends that we could uh, share a lot of good times with. So that's what we spent a lot of time talking about. Uh, yeah, it was fun. And it was fun to sort of relive them. And, and then each one of us telling a tale that maybe the other had partly forgotten or a new detail added. And basically it was, a lot of it was, well, how did we connect? And uh, I mentioned at the start of this podcast uh, the things we had in common. I forgot, of course, the other bit of commonality was sitting around Glenn's basement around the water pipe, which he had, which was the preferred way to smoke our hashish in those days. I supplied most of the hash, and Glenn had the water pipe, and we'd sit there, and Glenn would play the music, and we'd just, you know, get high and giggle and have fun and laugh and enjoy the music and just enjoy the, you know, sitting on the floor being in this tight circle. It was very much, I, I have always likened it to a religious experiment, a kind of holy communion. So we shared that, and uh, I've... We both had the same girlfriend at different times for a considerable period of time, which is uh, an interesting story, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so, and found out things about each other we didn't know earlier in our lives. What, what happened was we were in the same high school. He was not in 11A. He was in 11C, I found out yesterday. Correct that, please. Thank you. If you're taking notes, it was not 11A with all the brains. It was 11C, uh, generally smarter than the people probably in 11F. Schools were streamed in those days. Uh, Latin and science, it was 11 and A and B, which were known as the brains, and everybody else was not quite in that league. Uh, so we would have passed in the hallways but never really known each other or talked. But then we found out later, and from the 60s on, late 60s, and university days on, we had parallel friendships. I was friendships with uh, good friends, dear friends, with Robin Heath. He was good friends with her older brother, Richard Heath. He's another one of the ones who's uh, who passed away, if I didn't mention his name. Uh, so we both knew the same family, both went to the same house, but uh, we didn't connect till later on when... The overlap came from uh, Rod's friends, uh, Richard's friends, and was with Rod. Rob was with Glenn. I connected with Glenn after I came back from Europe. Glenn said, oh, oh, I've never talked to somebody who went to Morocco. Tell me about Morocco. And uh, I started hanging out with Glenn. And uh, that's sort of the bringing together of uh, Bruce and I. And then when he left for when we were all starting that migration out to Vancouver in the early 70s, uh, we were already friends by that point. And uh, I knew I would be seeing him when I joined, followed him a year later to the West Coast. I went my train, he drove across. All right, let's park that. Um, COVID. It is. I mean, I am tired of uh, the news. It, it's the only story on the news, and, and I'm sure other things are happening now. Jesse at Canada Land had an interesting story interviewing somebody from CBC 
talking about the agenda they have, the the woke agenda, and how certain stories are not covered or things are not discussed. And she was questioning really how um, unbiased it was or stating it was very biased. Maybe that was it. Uh, like, you know, in, in the name of diversity, it was you had to track down people to find out their ethnicity and uh, so on. And, and it's a point I made when they were doing the hiring and promoting at um, Centennial College where I worked. It was largely visible minority based. This is what they consider diversity means the number of people of visible minorities. And my argument was, no, it's about the diversity in thinking and experience. Uh, And I sort of thought, hey, I've lived two years in a village in Africa. I've lived eight years in Asia, uh, Japan in particular, but certainly got aware of Asian cultural norms. That gives me a, a considerable range of diversity of experiences, of understanding, of knowledge, of cultural awareness that uh, somebody else who lived in Canada but might be of a certain uh, visible minority group may not have had. But because they look differently, uh, they would be more inclined to get these, the special, some of the special jobs, a teaching one particular course that I wanted. And I know somebody just took a look at me and said, no, no. You know, and I knew it was based on that. Uh, same when I went applying for a federal government job. Uh, and I know, I mean, I, I could tell the guy in the interview was just, all right, we need to allow these people to have an interview, but they're not who we're looking for. So, I mean, I'm not playing, you know, oh, poor me, you know, ain't, you know, anti or what is it, reverse racism. No, I'm not talking about that. I am talking about <coughs> the issue that Jesse explored on Canada Land about CBC and the agendas that they do have of uh, things that will not come up for discussion or just, you know, if you want to advance in this business, you better hold these views along those lines. Anyway, I could I could sense backlash if I go on any further. Um, but I guess I can, I can pull that back to um, COVID and how strongly people who do have the vaccine, who have been vaccinated, how strongly these people feel against people who don't, like my son, for instance. And I listened to him today. It was not uh, an easy listen. It was an emotional listen. Um, and it's very, it's very hard. I, I don't think I could do a fair job of explaining his perspective. And, and so... Maybe better not to try, other than it is a very different viewpoint from the one I hold. But he was questioning my values and where I got them. And a lot of it is to do with a certain degree of conformity, a certain degree of of, uh, of um, following whatever it is you're told to do and where this leads to. Uh, and he's not alone in this. And I'm talking about him, and I guess I have a niece, and I have uh, my son's friends, who are not vaccinated and will not get vaccinated. But he pointed out, you know, I've I turned down invitations to two near two New Year's Eve parties because, you know, I I I care about you and mom, and I don't want to be bringing it back. But how is that fair? That I've I've basically he has isolated himself for two years by not going out. So in other words, he's not being. He's he's taking a moral stance. He's not getting his vaccination, but he's making the point of not going to anywhere where he might catch it or bring it home. He has gone out of his way more so than a lot of people probably who have been vaccinated and been a little careless about who they've hung out with and gathered with. Um, and I didn't un- I didn't really understand that until he told me that today. And and for that I feel almost I owe him a bit of an apology for the I've never. I, I've encouraged him. I've made suggestions. I've wanted him to get vaccinated. As of today, maybe I'm letting go. Maybe I'm saying no. It's, it is his. It always has been his decision. Um, and I guess, sorry, I uh, pushed the wrong button there and stopped the recording. Um, I'll just recap. 
I've, I'm leaving it now. It is up to him. I, I think my argument was you're going to have a very difficult time getting a job if you aren't vaccinated, and he's fully aware of that and is still quite bitter about losing the job that he did have at the airport uh, when business is shut down. And, of course, he, too, in his way, is, is a victim of COVID. He's paid a very heavy price. He had a job he really liked and was very good at and was doing very well. And uh, with all the uh, shutting down that came with COVID, he lost that job. And I think the company may have, it was a small company, they may have even folded. Uh, so I know people have their minds set very strongly, especially those who have been vaccinated. And, and I think there's a, a tendency to lump everybody together. Anybody who's an anti-vaxxer is also, you know, like a pro-Trump and anti-science and so on. And that does not appear to be at all where my son is coming from. This is just, again, it's, I don't, I can't put it into words that would maybe convince anyone listening to this that that it makes sense. And I suppose, yeah, all right, the thing to do would be to have him on the show and let him explain, but... Uh, I don't think that will. Uh, I don't think that will happen. Um, and I think that would just create a whole lot more tension and put a lot more pressure on him. And I think he's just experienced enough suffering through these past two years. How it has completely disrupted his life, his social life, his working life, his uh, his family life. And like I like I say, you know, he's he's taken a stand here of turning down invitations to parties and gatherings accepting that's the price he'll pay for not being vaccinated, but actually paying that price, uh, which a lot of people aren't. So I I think it just gets down to, uh, it's a discussion that a lot of people just simply have their minds made up on and aren't ready for any discussion. Make them, you know, punish them more. Um, You know, take this away. Stop that. Just make everybody get the vaccine. And I think the discussion there is, is that really the case? Well, what about a test case? What about the people who haven't had the vaccine uh, but are, you know, being safe? You know, is it really necessary? And, and we're basically, is the, it comes down to where will it end? After your third vaccine, isn't there going to be a fourth? And who's profiting from this? And, and who's being hurt by this? And a whole lot more, and I guess it's a discussion that uh, I'm I'm finding difficulty having. But I I, I I will say, in an odd sort of way, that I'm I'm glad uh, my son told me the things he was feeling today. I mean, it was it was brought about by me saying. What's it feel like to be turning 30? How are you feeling about this? It's normally a um, a difficult time for people. And I don't think I asked that question in, in the necessarily kindest or gentlest or most supportive or good fatherly kind of ways. I think I just sort of threw it at him. And for that, I'm kind of uh, kind of sorry and kind of embarrassed and kind of feel bad about it. that um, I think I have to, now it's my turn. I've already got my opinions and my views and maybe it's my turn to try and be a little more understanding and a little more appreciative of the efforts he has made to make sure Nauk and I stay well and not not catch COVID via him, via other people. To be grateful for that, thankful for that. And, uh, yeah, just to be a little more understanding of other viewpoints. And I think that's, to a large degree, what the whole conversation is about. (sighs) I gotta go grocery shopping and uh, try and come up with something for supper. I'm 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 not feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling bad, emotionally bad. 
Um, <laughs> so I guess the only way to get out of that is go and do something productive for other people, which would be buy food for for us for supper. So anyway, uh, the day spent with uh, with Bruce was good the way I hoped it would be good. It did come down to the very end. I mean, we, we once we got back to the road trek, uh, we turned the seats around. I got the heater on. Um, we shared a couple of beers, so I didn't have much. I think I had a total of a beer and a half over the entire day, which was safe enough to drive with, and uh, just one, only the uh, couple of tokes earlier in the day. Uh, and then offered Bruce some scotch, which he enjoyed. And then right at the end, my plan all along was beans and wieners. I had brought a can of beans and brought some wieners that I already cooked. And finally said, and he, he was thinking, no, oh, that's a lot of trouble. But he didn't realize that, no, this vehicle, this road track, I know my way around. I know exactly where everything is and what exactly has to be done to uh, heat up uh, a pot full of beans and wieners. And, it, it you know, from his perspective, you know, oh, my God, that sounds like a lot for me. No, open this cupboard, there's the pot. Open this box, there's the beans. Open the fridge, there's the wieners, here's the knife, here's the plates, here's the dishes. Take this cover off, there's the propane stove, here's the lighter. Here's the knife to slice up the wieners. And uh, here's the flame, here it is. And here's, here's here's a nice hot bowl of beans and wieners on a cold day, just like we're camping. So that was a very, very nice nice way to end it, with uh, some very fresh uh, fresh bread. Scarborough Dude, signing out. On a very emotional day from uh, Thompson Park. Bye for now. Okay, I'll just uh, maybe turn that down a little bit. I've played this uh, parts of the CD before anyway. I originally have it on tape, uh, cassette tape that Nauco gave me when we were first dating before we were married. And uh, I absolutely fell in love with it because it's just so connected with her. And still, I put this on and it brings back uh, a lot of very special memories. It's uh, Eric Clapton, of course. And the CD, I think it's just an amazing CD that I don't know how many people know about it or, you know, are real Eric Clapton fans out there. Um, It's called Behind the Sun. And uh, I just really like it. Phil Collins produced it. And uh, anyway, it's a classic. It's a special. And I just thought... I've been thinking a lot about family these days, and I thought I'd bring that back. Yesterday was uh, my son's birthday, Daniel, and I guess here the the issue is both Daniel and Naoko are very, very private people. That's their Japanese side, and they would not want to be talked about on this podcast at all. Kenji would be a little more understanding. In fact, he's even been on way in the past. Uh, but neither of them. And so it, it makes me... It's a little difficult uh, to talk about things. Uh, and there's a lot. Of, and, of course, it's always more emotional. And then it, family really gets right on that line of how much you're going to share and how much won't you share with relative strangers out there. I know some of the people listen to this podcast. In fact, I probably know most. I don't think there are many strangers listening to this. Uh, but it's still, you know, there's, there's a an area of comfort for all. And some things, you might be feeling them very deeply, but you're just not sure you want to share with other people because... 
well, you don't know how much they care or how how much empathy they might have or, you know, it's an emotional investment. Uh, And it's, um, it's, it's difficult. Anyway, we celebrated the birthday yesterday. We started off with uh, sushi, a nice sushi maki tray from Niji, and a special Korean noodle dish that uh, Daniel is particularly fond of to go with it. And then I barbecued uh, Korean ribs. Now, it's hard to barbecue in the dark in the winter because uh, you're, ne- you're just—it's harder to control the temperature. It seems anyway. And the problem with the ribs, it's very expensive now, very expensive. These were, we've had amazing ones she's bought in the past when they were, you know, you could get a reasonable price on them from a good butcher. But these were sliced different thicknesses. And boy, it's just night and day. You know, the thin ones, bam, they just turn black. They just go crisp really quickly. Uh, They were marinated, of course, for 24 hours. Uh, but it, it was tricky getting uh, getting them done. Anyway, a, a couple got uh, a little scorched, but uh, the rest are very good. And then we went to I went to Adonis and bought three um, creme brulees. These are things you know in a fancy restaurant you can get that for dessert. But they make them there in a little tin, and oh my God, were they ever good! They're four dollars seventy five cents a piece. You know, we're, you know, it's even a little more than cheesecake, but what a treat. And that was Daniel's favorite too. So, uh, that's how we topped off the evening. Um, and you know, watching things together, started off a new Japanese, uh, a Netflix Japanese series called Giri, uh, which kind of translates as obligation, I guess, uh, maybe in this sense anyway. Let's park that. I've been watching good quality shows, trying to. I've I've been weaning myself away from the news. I've cut it down, I'm sure, by 75% already, the amount of news I'm watching. Because it's just all fucking COVID all the time. And um, it's not helpful. And it's like there's nothing else happening in the world that we should know about. It's just this. The numbers in each province and what politician has promised what um i will get on to that because uh, <laughs> quebec has uh, talked about doing a no vax tax uh there'll be a fine for people who are not vaxxed they've uh, they've got support for this but a lot of opposition canada-wide there's about 60%, maybe more people in favor of this, like more punishments on the people who aren't being vaxxed. And um, I've had a change of heart since listening, change of heart, change of mind, change of opinion, since listening to my son. And it's not that he's convinced me not to get max, vaxxed. No, nothing like that. I would still like him to. But for his reasons, it's not just ignorance on the part of people. And the backlash against non-vaxxers, uh, those who go out and demonstrate and block hospital entrances or whatever, just like people blocking abortion clinics, no, hey, you got no right to do that. Get the fuck out of there. But people who, for their own reasons, just refuse to, I'm becoming a little more understanding, a little more forgiving. And the stronger the pushback is and the anger from the people who are vaxxed against them, the more I sort of want to rise up in a little bit of defense about people who aren't, you know. And there's a lot of people, my own niece, my who's a little older, uh, but my son and many of his generation and close friends just are not. And they are being responsible about it. They're not going out and socializing or going out without masks or anything like that. They're just not doing it. Anyway, um... Quebec's reasoning was they're saying uh, the 10% who are not vaxxed are taking up 50% of the space in the ICUs. So there's a direct correlation. We can all see that. And so you can see why they're saying, yeah, hey, do it. So if it was just going around and trying to tax people for not being vaxxed, you can't. If it was a case of them going into the hospital 
and taking up more resources. Ugh, you know, do you make them pay a premium in the hospital? And then who's it going to hurt? What about the people who are just, you know, simply the, amongst the group who are the poor? Here's another punishment heaped on them. Um, anyway, I'm not having a discussion for you to argue back with me or convince me the error of my ways or thinking. I'm just saying it's, um, for a lot, this is a slippery slope. Um, even the mayor of Toronto said, well, what next? Then we know that smokers, heavy smokers, take up more hospital time and, and costs. You know, are we going to go after them too? Uh, the drunks, you know? Um, Greece imposed a 100-euro monthly tax on unvaccinated people over 60. So they set the line, if you're over 60, it's 100 euros a month, and we'll just until you do. Now, that strikes me as being more effective than any of the others, especially when it's targeted at a a specific group. But anyway, we're not going to talk about (laughs) the vaccine anymore or or, uh, covid um, so I watched um, a documentary on TV Ontario, um, I forget what it was called, but it was a, a, about police, talking to retired police about looking back at their life, and they interviewed quite a few, mostly, you know, uh, city areas, but uh, there was a mix of them, and it was very, very interesting, and they talked about just how hard it is to be a policeman, you know, that the price you pay, that once you do join that, you are no longer your individual self. You are defined on and off the job as something else, a policeman. You you are just you do. It's very hard to go back to being a person. Uh, the difficulties of the things they see. You know, they they all talk about the accidents that you face head on. We've heard about that with uh, first responders too. You know, picking a head up off the road or something. Um. The divorce rate being so high, the rate of alcoholism and drug use within the police, higher than the normal percentage of, you know, uh, other professions. And um, it, it, was, uh, it was very moving and, and it was well done. I think it was done by another policeman talking about, you know, what brought you in and you know, how did this impact you. And, uh, you know, and I've always... Felt. I mean, the number of people who just, oh, I hate cops. You know, that, that is just such an ignorant, fucking stupid thing to say. Like, say, I hate teachers. I hate doctors. I hate. It's a profession. It's a job. And it may be there are more assholes amongst them. It may be the kind of job that draws in a certain number of people who want power or are prone to abuse. But still, it is people doing a job that, for the time being, is necessary. Um, and believe me, I've lived in, uh, uh, you know, living in countries where police aren't paid well and are only paid by bribes. Uh, you're looking for trouble. Um, okay. Well, I guess I shut the engine off, so I guess we've lost the music too. I'll put that back on. Um, all right. So last night I watched another movie called North Country. This is in my not wanting to waste time, watch movies and special things instead of uh, just uh, the bloody news. North Country. And my God, was it ever good. Uh, Sissy Spacebeck, played an older woman, a mother. Um, I can't remember the star, but you could look it up. I posted a link for those who follow me. Uh, just a couple of quotes here. An old-fashioned liberal weepy about truth and justice. It is one of those Hollywood entertainments that strive to tell a hard, bitter story with as much uplift as possible. That the film works as well as it does, delivering a tough first hour only to disintegrate like a wet newspaper, testifies to the skill of the news uh, filmmakers as well as to the constraints brought on them by an industry, that'd be Hollywood, that insists on slapping a pretty bow on even the foulest truth. Now, it was about a young woman who uh, just had a tough time in life and was uh, had a, earned a bad reputation, had a father who disowned her for being promiscuous as a teenager and getting pregnant, having two kids to bring up, having an abusive husband who beat her, she left him, father didn't want her back. And she gets a job in the mine, and it is all about 
sexist behavior. The men don't want women taking their jobs. I guess the Supreme Court ruled that you can't discriminate on the basis of sex for certain jobs. And it was a story of the women working in a mine based on a true story of the horrific abuse and foul behavior physically, emotionally, you know, verbally. Uh, one scene, uh, well, I, I won't get into describing. There's no point. I'm just, I'm just recommending. If you haven't seen this, way back, it's an old movie, maybe 2005 or eight or something. Uh, Woody Harrelson, Harrelson in, is in it. And the woman who played the starring role, uh, a name you would know if I said it. Uh, was fabulous. So uh, there you go. Um, very, very good film, and I'm just going to keep looking for uh, for more and more good things to watch. Gosh, that's it. I mean, those were just two notes. That's why I was able to read the quote and give the stats about uh, this, but uh, nothing else to add. Um, I'm feeling for both my sons. My son in Vancouver had a, he bought a saved up. He's working very hard as a bartender now at a high end restaurant, bar, hotel, and um, saved up and bought a twelve hundred dollar bike. He absolutely loved and rode to work. Chained it up, of course, and it got stolen. And you know, it just come on, like twelve hundred bucks is a lot of money to pay for a bike. Uh, Vancouver is just a, it's just full of thieves and crime, you know, drug issues and so on. But it's just sad. It's just unfortunate. Uh, you know, it's not some spoiled kid. He's worked hard for everything. He's been self-sufficient for a long time now. And, uh, uh, it's unfortunate indeed. He's got a birthday coming up too. All right, I, I don't know. I guess I'm going to uh, stop there. I guess, I, I think I've blocked myself a little bit. I want to talk a lot more about my son. And I'm just not, um, my sons, really. I'm not quite ready yet. And I, it's certainly, in the early days of podcasting, there was give and take. You knew who was listening. You got feedback. And you felt you were part of a community. And I, that's kind of gone. People listen, I know quite a few who are listening. I think people are about four or five episodes behind. Um, shout out to, speaking of medics and uh, first responders and people who really work hard and sometimes don't always get the appreciation that they deserve. Our good friend in uh, Copper Harbor, uh, Michael, uh, the virtual youper. Um, haven't heard from him for quite a while, but I know he's just, uh, he, he was sort of, you know, wasn't deliberately burning the candle at both ends, but being consumed by, you know, work to keep his family going and, and work with long hours because uh, there aren't enough people doing his job. And as a kind of person who carries a, a high degree of moral responsibility and will always do what he expects of himself, which is a lot, maybe higher than the, the average person. And uh, so shout out to you, Michael. If you're, when you catch up to this, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're quite behind too, and uh, you know, that's that's just fine. Grateful for actually any listeners at this point. I do have a new project coming up, but I'm uh, not prepared to talk about that either. So, I guess I'm just going to sit here on the road track for a while, and I, I'm this things I should be doing should should should. Oh, how I hate that word. Um, but kind of don't feel like it so we'll leave it at that scarborough dude signing out with a little eric clapton here Okay, so I got 10 minutes exactly left over and uh, 
Uh, just going to uh, squeeze in what I can. Something today, well, first of all, let me get Wordle out of the way. I saw somebody posted that, said, oh, that looked kind of interesting. I checked it out, and today I did my third one, I think, yeah. And it's fun. It's fun. I keep getting the feeling that I've just been lucky. Uh, I think I had a a three, a four, and a five uh, in terms of how many times. You only get six tries to get the word of the day. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just uh, look up W-O-R-D-L-E. Wordle, it's, um, it's not an app. It's on your uh, computer, you know, if you, uh, you go for it. It's fun, and there's only one a day you've got to choose. So I, I don't want to spend all the time talking about this. If you know what I'm talking about, great. Um, I like it, and there's just an awful lot of a, a new toy buzz going around with people posting the results and so on. Yeah, anyway, good stuff. Uh, no, but there was something else that caught my attention, and it was Jan Wong. Now, Jan Wong was a um, Chinese-Canadian woman who went to China, I think, during the cult- was there during the Cultural Revolution, I think was, I don't know, was in support of a lot of the things they were doing, and uh, came back sort of with a tarnished reputation. Uh, was was on TV, was in newspapers, maybe the Toronto Star, maybe the Globe and Mail. I don't know. I think they got rid of her too. And now she just shows up on the internet. And sometimes she has uh, been a uh, a co-host on Jesse Brown's Canada Land. That's how I rediscovered her. And she posted something today about train looting in Los Angeles in the States. And it was a video. And it just... It shocked the hell out of me. Like, oh, my God. Never mind waiting for dystopia. It's here now. This world is so fucked up. These were trains slowing down as they came into Los Angeles with long uh, flat cars stacked with uh, these cargo containers, right, that come right off the ships. Um, And... They're for, you know, Amazon and anybody else delivering stuff that comes in a cargo container. And what people were doing was they were, as the train slowed down, they would hop on the train, smash open, wreck open, pry bar open, I don't know, the door of the container and then toss the stuff out. So the tracks were littered, littered, completely covered with boxes and and the Amazon, you know, those paper bags that people had ripped open and grabbed whatever they could. It was like a random, well, what's in this one? And you wouldn't believe the amount of what looks like garbage, but these were products stolen from a train. There was a hanging offense in the old days. And, And the buzz about it is that, well... It's a private railway, so it's not the police of Los Angeles. That's not their problem. And Amazon doesn't fucking care. And if they can afford to send rockets up into space for fun, they're not going to pay police to do this. It's just cheaper. I'll send them a new one. Everybody, meanwhile, you get a text, sorry, unexpected delay in delivery. They even tracked down a package. They said, we tracked this down and found the message Amazon automatically sends. Delay. Well, there's no fucking delay. That thing is dead in its tracks. It's lying by the side, or the empty boxes, of the tracks going into Los Angeles. Holy fuck. I mean, honestly, when you see the image, I posted it on, um, probably I guess on Twitter. Oh, the fact that it's just a thing. It's done. And nobody's stopping it. Like, how could you? You'd need an army. You need a fucking army. And it's not worth it. They they can write off the loss. Hey, we're Amazon. We don't care. I don't know about all the others. But meanwhile, you've got too many people using these services. Oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. It's a breakdown. It's it's the, the, again, capitalism that spiraled out of fucking control. It's nuts. You don't need all that shit to start with. And so, like, who do you blame? You blame Amazon. They're, they, they can write it off as a loss. They're making so much money. You you can blame disinte- disintegration in just law and order and society as a whole. You can blame mass consumerism. 
For why did you, why, can't you just fucking go to the store like you used to and buy some? No, of course you can't. I'm guilty too. You know, hey, there's a new book. I can't find it anywhere, but I can get it on Amazon. I can have it this week. Which, you know, is against everything I stand for. Well, no, it's not. That's a lie. I take it back. Take it back. It's not against everything I stand for. I just cave in like everybody else. Uh, I did go years, years and years without ever using uh, Walmart. And then found like, hey, I needed these double duty bags. I'm not going to find those anywhere else. Well, I could order on Amazon, have it trucked to my fucking house. Or I can drive to the local Walmart and there it is. They have it. I didn't even have to look it up to check. I knew they would. <sighs> anyway, it just, it just, it saddens me. It angers me and saddens me. It angers me. It's like the looting. You know, there's a riot. The policeman shot a guy who was black and unarmed. Well, we're going to just fucking break the windows of these stores and take all the shit we want that we can't afford anyway. It, it's all part of that same thing. It's just, you know... I don't have the money, I don't have a job, but I want it, I need it. And there you go. Like, something is just so fucking fundamentally wrong with American society, culture, civilization right now. And it pains me to say that because my American friends are going to think, well, how can you say that? And they know I'm not talking about them, and I'm sure some would want to half agree with me. You know, I'm sure they could point out what's wrong with ours here in Canada. It's not. This isn't anti-Americanism. This is anti-capitalism and all that it's, all the harm it's doing. Oh, God, I'm going to use up the whole fucking 10 minutes on this. And I shouldn't. Um, (coughs) My son just posted, my other elder son just posted a picture of him in Vancouver 10 years ago. Today he arrived in Vancouver, and he's been there ever since. Like, he's done well for himself and has carried out his life. And I thought, oh, that's kind of neat. That just showed up on my um, Instagram feed. And then in my Facebook reminders, oh, four, six years ago today, I was in Bondi Beach in uh, Sydney with my good buddy, The Boy, a.k.a. Chris, uh, the man who left his life in Canada and went to start a new one down under himself and is doing very well there. And six years ago, I visited him just at the beginning of problems with my walking, and uh, I'm so glad I did. Oh, yeah, speaking of which, my wife bought me this pair of boots for Christmas. They're rubber. They're like perfect rain boots. They'd be great for kicking around a campfire and hiking, you know, and through puddles and mud. But... Because if I'm going to be walking, especially at a campsite, I need to wear my brace. And with my plastic leg brace that goes from my toe right up to uh, just below the knee, uh, the foot part wouldn't fit into these foot. I've got leather shoes I'm wearing now that stretch enough and they got straps I can loosen. And you take out the insole and I can fit that brace into some of my shoes, but not these. However, my wife lost the... um, uh, bill for it or the receipt and thought, you know, oh, there's, I'll just give them away. I'll find somebody who wears a size 13 and give them away. And I'm saying, no, 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 I'll return them. Don't worry about it. So I just printed off from my actual visa statement and I was all set for a fight. I was all set to argue. And, and you know how you'd have these conversations in your head and determined to win? This is what I'm going to have to say. And instead, they were very understanding. They couldn't find it at first. They tried a little harder because I had my wife's credit card with me, which they refunded to, which is beautiful. Uh, Only $59 anyway. And I also had the good sense to go onto my computer, go onto my visa account or her visa account, and copy as photos showing the date and the store number and everything else. So, hey, it's as good as a receipt, isn't it? But I was still thinking, no, she's going to, you know, somebody's going to want to argue with me. But uh, they didn't. So there you go. That's the end of a podcast. Kind of a disappointment. I I like to end on on a happy note or something positive. But Jesus, you you see something like that. And it's only one thing in the news. And it could be any other thing. But this was just happened to be the stream that I caught showing looting of trains. You know, and and just like, oh, 
shrugging his shoulders. It's like when the guy wheeled a cart out of the LCBO here full of liquor and beer and they didn't bother to stop him. No, Union says, no, we can't. We're not allowed to. And uh, it's too dangerous. No, it wasn't. That guy, nothing. You just want to grab the carts and nobody. You're not going out. This guy didn't have a knife or anything else. He was just on a lark party for the weekend. You could tell. I knew that. I should have stopped him. But it is this breakdown. And it's not that I'm a f- fascist. Oh, boy, some would You know, I'm always worried about saying that. I could be in other lifetimes, other circumstances. You know what I am for law and order, even though um, I, I break it when it when I think I'm in the right, <laughs> which we, which you should do, you too. All right, Scarborough dude, eh, I went over my time limit, so what? I tried to end on a nice note, it was too hard. Come back next week, I'll have uh, completely different things to talk about. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.